I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Bite Dispatch. Today I'm Brittany and joining me today as always is my friend Emily Lynn. Hi Emily. Hi Brittany. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm doing good now. I get to talk to you. I feel like we haven't talked in ages. I know a whole week. I know. What's new? Um, Nothing. What's new with you? You know, nothing. Just I'm really focused right now on wedding planning. Okay. Like That's exciting. Yeah, and I'm very happy because I have the theme and I, I'm really enjoying that everyone is enjoying the theme. And, you know, I'm just I'm trying to think of like, you know, just the, the details of the actual ceremony. Like, you know what should happen or you know how it should be but also I have to postpone the bachelorette party because originally I'd planned for it to be at Disneyland Star Wars night but they decided to announce literally like two days before tickets were on sale that um we're not gonna have Rise of the Resistance open for you guys so I'm not going. You're not going. A lot of people aren't going. I mean, which is fine because you can go on a different day. Make sure to get to the park early. I mean, I don't know if they're going to have the virtual queue in August, but you never know at this point. But I I think it's going to be fun, especially like spending an actual like whole day at Disneyland instead of at night when you might be tired or... I don't know. I'm trying to find like good ways to help the people who weren't able to get tickets to Star Wars after night. Because I hear there was like a little issue with buying tickets, right? Yeah, it seemed like the system was like rejecting people's payment and stuff. Yeah, that sucks. I don't know. If if you didn't get tickets, I wouldn't be too discouraged because Disneyland is still there. You can find a time to go either before celebration, after celebration, or probably during celebration. Because 
I know that I'll try to be there as much as possible. I'll try flip-flopping. If I'm, you know, walking around the show floor and I feel like I've seen everything that day, then I'll walk over to the park and, you know, I'll, I'll text Emily. Be like, hey, Emily, what are you doing? You want to meet me at Disneyland? A dream come true that would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of just, like, I'm fine with it. As soon as they announced that the ride wasn't going to be open, I'm like, okay, well, then I'm just not going to bother. It's not something I was super excited about anyway, and I'd rather just hang out with all my friends somewhere else. Okay, so Disneyland is completely off the table for you? I mean, it's not completely off the table, but, I mean, the doing the the, the after dark thing was sort of like, well, I'm just doing it because everybody else is doing it anyway. So... You know, if if there's a day when a lot of other people are going, I'll go. But it's like it's not really my thing anyway. Okay. I was just about to ask if there was a way to, you know, make it a possibility. But yeah, I mean, I think if we get a bunch of people together, like it's going to be a fun time too. So I don't know. I'll I'll try to help, you know, encourage and, you know... I'll have candy for you. I'll I'll have like a backpack with like treats and goodies and everything so that everyone has a good time. I do like snacks. Yes. Disneyland has some of the best snacks, but also so does like Amazon or like any store that has cheap snacks because Disneyland's snacks are a little pricey. Yeah. And Disneyland is already pricey. And this trip is already pricey. So I know and it's funny because my sister's trying to f- plan a Disney World trip and she's like, "Oh, how does like early September work for you?" And I'm like, "Let's see. That's going to be right after celebration where I'm going to be spending all of my money and then I'm going to be spending all of my money in Florida." So I'm like, "Ah, let's push it to like January or something." So that should be fun. It's been too long since I've been to Florida. Well, just to make sure, you know, you don't conflict with the wedding. No, I can't. How is that, by the way? Like a newly or new fiance, newly fianced. How does it feel? I mean, it's 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 good. It's it's nice that that. Chris has has agreed to it. I would have felt pretty bad if he didn't. Like I, that would have been like pretty jilted. But you know, yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a good wedding. What do you want from the wedding? I want to wear a pretty pretty dress, and I want to eat good food. And I want my friends to have a good time. Those are all such wonderful things. And it's funny because like weddings usually don't have all of those things. Like there's always something that goes interesting at a wedding. Well, here's here's the thing. Weddings are terrible. They're just bad. So, you know, that's the starting point is bad. 
So you have to add things to them that are good. That's true. Like, I put weddings at such, like, a high pedestal now. And, like, you know how I was younger and I put, like, prom on such, like, a big pedestal. And literally, like, prom was the worst. It was, like, a dumpster fire of a fucking night. So that's why now, like, my main focus is, you know... I'm going to get married one day and it's going to be the best day of my life. And God damn it, if it's not, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, Emily. That's a bad mentality to go into it with. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of a lot of people, I don't know, like a lot of girls or a lot of people do that. Like, I feel like I've been doing that since I was like eight or nine, you know, watching like Disney movies and, and seeing them all in the dresses. I'm like, I want that to be me one day. I want to be a Disney princess. And I feel like the opportunity for me to be a Disney princess is on my wedding night. I mean, I could try to find another opportunity for me to be a Disney princess so that all of my focus on my wedding day is like kind of eliminated so that I view my wedding as like just a normal day like i'm gonna wear a white dress and like, i'm not saying you should think of it as a normal day but i think is if you put all the pressure on it to be the greatest most perfect day of all time then as soon as anything goes wrong everything's ruined yeah i would hate to be one of those like bridezillas too like i i could just like imagine like well, I don't know. Like, I'm so easygoing, too. Like, if, oh, like, the flowers you wanted are canceled. Here are some other flowers. Like, I'll be fine. It, it's just, it's flowers. Like, everyone likes flowers. Like, any flowers are okay, you know? Or if something happens to the food, well, okay, well, we can get food from other places. I mean, it's food. Like, you can get food anywhere, you know? So, now, see, the food is the one thing that I care about. Yeah. And... I love honesty with food because there was this one time I went to a wedding and they told us that we were going to have In-N-Out and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm excited. And then like they had the wedding in the park and it was like a hundred degrees outside and there were no chairs. So we all had to sit on the floor and it was really hot and there weren't really umbrellas. And I'm thinking this sucks, but at least I get In-N-Out and then the wedding's over. And then also before the wedding, we had to wait two hours because like the bride took two hours to get ready. So the wedding is finished, you know, they did they do the whole ceremony and we're like, great, we get in and out. There's no in and out. That's sad. That's a very sad story. It, it was so sad because like I had to work later that night and I'm like, oh, you know, at least, you know, who goes to a wedding that has in and out? I was just so disappointed. But I mean, the food that they, they had like Mexican food and it was good. But it wasn't in and out. And I, I hate when someone says that you're going to get something and then, like, it's a lie. Like, I don't like lies. Like, don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. Even if they said, hey, we're supposed to have in and out, but something happened, I would have been fine and respected that. But no. So, Emily, I will not lie to you on your wedding day. I will be straightforward and honest with you about everything. Okay. Uh, that's good to That's good to to know i mean at yeah. some point we should 
probably involve the groom in the planning. Yeah. But I also don't particularly care. I mostly care that I have a pretty, pretty dress and good food. And no religion. Okay. Oh, and I have to see, we have to see what Fresh feels about dancing. Because I am anti-dancing. I mean, maybe you guys can do like a choreographed dance. No, no, absolutely not. Is there a movie that you like that has like a a nice cheesy like dance number or something or... Have we ever met before? What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I don't know. There's always something... I, you never know. I mean, maybe Fresh has something he wants to do. Like, you know, because sometimes, like, the men choose the first song. Like, my mom always brings up the point how, like, that was, like, the one thing that my dad did that she liked. That he chose, you know, what song they sang. And she didn't know it until she got on the dance floor. So, maybe Fresh can, like, choose something to dance to. And maybe it's going to be that song about starting the fire First of all, I mean, that song's like four and a half minutes long. And it's not a wedding song or a romantic song in the least. Yeah, but you guys are starting the fire. Maybe, like, you guys can, like, light a candle, like, during your ceremony, and then that song can just start playing. I, I think, I think maybe you're taking the, the fire thing a little bit literally. I have to take something literal here. How much do you think it would cost to get Harry Connick Jr. to sing at our wedding? I mean, I can plan, you know, like, there could be a friend of ours who knows Harry Connick Jr. No, I don't know. Like, I would settle for somebody who kind of looks like Harry Connick Jr. Wait, Harry Connick Jr. sings this song about the fire? No. Oh. I can't. I can't. <sighs> no. <laughs> this is the most I've laughed all week. <laughs> and it's Tuesday. Okay. How do you how, how do you not know that that's a Billy Joel song? <laughs> I, all I know is that Billy Joel sings the song Uptown Girl. That is all I know about Billy Joel. Hey, ha- what happened to your Harry Connick Jr. movie rankings? I was I was going to start off with that. All right. Here, let me get my list up. Harry, Harry Connick Jr. How many Harry Harry Connicks are there? There's a lot of them. Sorry, my list is loading. Oh, I accidentally went to Harry Connick Jr.'s website. Is a website? Everybody has a website. All right, so 
I usually, you know, for lists like I did with, you know, my my, you know, DC comic movies list is that I only rank what I've seen. Oh, that makes sense. So, sitting at number 1 is PS I love you. Okay. That's it. See, now you said you said you were going to watch his movies and then rank them. I was expecting a full report on Dolphin's Tale and Dolphin's Tale 2. Well, now I have a plan for tonight. You know, I could I could be like, you know, you know how those like those apology letters that people write and then they do like a screenshot of it and they put it on all their social medias. Mhm. That is what I'm about to do right now because I promised our friends and our family, our loved ones, our cherished ones, that I was going to watch A Dolphin's Tale 1 and 2. And I not only failed, but I crushed the hearts of many. And that does not reflect who I am as a person. And I will learn from these mistakes. Really disappointed in you. Um, I, I feel like trust has been broken. And I feel like you were just talking about honesty and the importance of not lying to people. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to take some effort to repair this relationship. And I'm willing to give you that effort. Like, I I will, after we're done recording, I will go straight to Dolphin Tale because I've been catching up on, you know, my Bachelor and Bachelorette stuff. I'm watching old seasons because all of a sudden I'm back into Bachelor Nation. But now my main focus will not only be on you and our relationship but on dolphin tail one and two okay keep me updated i will so i need to talk to fresh because like i want to know what he wants from this wedding also because it's like i've been asking you all these questions like i just i want to know like a couple things what he wants okay so fresh you have to tell me what you want and maybe because another geek dudes episode should be releasing soon maybe before this is released so maybe I'll, i'll get some answers there but I would really appreciate some, you know, because I have inspiration from Emily and that's caused many great boards on Pinterest. And I, I need to see some of your perspective fresh so that, you know, this wedding can, you know, be seen as, you know, a merge of two great people. Like we can go to the ceremony and, and see both you and fresh becoming one. <laughs> Okay. I mean, that's going to be, that sounds like quite the ceremony. Um, but no, like, we need to know who the groomsmen are going to be. 
I want to know like what what style of of suit or tux he's planning on. I want to know colors. I could see fresh and like a blue tux. Maybe like something like velvety. <laughs> like like a 70s like style. Like, Maybe. Is it going to be like a ruffled shirt? No, it's going to be like, you know, this. I like a little vintagey, you know? Okay. Um, I don't know. I'll I'll add another board to that to um men's tuxes or men or just tuxes and everything. So this is good. Um, well, we've talked enough about you know the wedding. So do you want to talk about a little bit of Star Wars news? Yeah, we actually have Star Wars to talk about this week. Yes. So, after many years of teasing, we finally got information about this Project Luminous. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it's so... It has the potential to be interesting, but it could also be shit. Because all we really know is sort of the time period it's it's so vague at this point that like i mean how do you even how do you even judge it if the books are good cool but i don't i don't know i mean so we're gonna be in the high republic which is what rumors are we also might be seeing from the movies in the future but it's 200 years before the prequels, which is my, my real objection is that because it doesn't seem far enough away. But there's going to be some sort of event that it seems like will connect these different books that are happening throughout their product lines. And there's a new enemy. I didn't, I haven't heard this pronounced. So is it Nihil? Neil? It's, they're space Vikings. Yeah, the Nil. Nil, okay. And the first book is going to be the Char School one, which is Light of the Jedi, and that's their you know, adult novel. And then there's a middle grade book called A Test of Courage from Justina Ireland. Um, Kevin Scott is doing the High Republic Marvel comic series. Claudia Gray is doing Into the Dark, which looks like a YA novel. And then Daniel Jose Older is doing the High Republic Adventures, which I'm guessing is going to be in terms of um, audience is like the Star Wars Adventures, which is the younger geared line that IDW does. And this is phase one. So the plan is for them to be more across the board here. And for this to be sort of a... Well, not it's not like every 
new Star Wars project is going to be in this line for this to sort of be its own, I mean, kind of, I guess, like the EU, but maybe a little bit more interconnected. Yeah. You know, at first when I was hearing about all this Project Luminous stuff, like the more I kept hearing about it and not hearing anything about it, like the more pissed off I was getting. So Monday came and, you know, the announcements came that, you know, it was all these books or something. Because I don't know, you hear people here and there going like, oh, you know, maybe they're going to announce a film or a TV show, this or that. That's See, that never makes it because they've always said that this is the publishing line. So I don't know where people were getting that from. I don't know. I think they're just mixing their dreams with reality. But I don't know. It after watching like the Star Wars on their YouTube channel like post like a little like trailer or something. Like it's hard for me to talk shit about this, you know, seeing how much effort all of these authors and creators and artists have put into this. You know, like they have the artists who helped create Darth Maul, you know, create characters for these books or outlines of these characters. So I mean, they're putting a shit ton of work into this, and I respect that a lot. But also, this is not something I'm into. Like, I don't read books. <laughs> I, I, I feel like Johnny Grasso right now. But I don't know. Like, this isn't for me. But also, like, I'm intrigued. Like, especially with, you know, seeing all the artworks and, you know, seeing some of the covers, like... I don't know. And this is also a Star Wars that I've always wanted. Like, I wanted, I've wanted this era for so long. Because, you know, you hear Obi-Wan talking about, you know, over a thousand generations that Jedi were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. And it's like, I want to hear those stories. Part of me is wondering why those weren't the stories we got first. But then again, you know, I love the sequel trilogy and all that we got, even though the episode nine was interesting. But... I just expect so much from this. But at the same time, like, do I want to expect something so much that, you know, is probably going to be like just books? I know that they're probably going to expand a little bit in like shows and everything, but I don't know how much they're actually going to do that. Well, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with these books just being their own thing. I think if if you are planning on, you know, really having a lot of Star Wars books going forward, although, you know, not everything's necessarily be mired in the same time period, you do have to have some sort of focus. Because, well, you had, when you had the movies coming out, it's like, oh, here it was, you know, the journey to The Last Jedi, the journey to The Rise of Skywalker. But now you don't have that. And since we don't even know what the next movies are, although, you know, again, it might be The High Republic, but that's that's still, you know, years off. So you need you need something so it's not just like, oh, here's a book set here, and then here's another book set, you know, 200 years different from that, and here's another book set 50 years different from that, and none of them ever relate to each other, and they're all these sort of just one-off things. And I, th- I think it's, I think it's, good to have some sort of okay here's what we're writing about now and these books you don't have to read all of them but 
you know, characters come in and out or events in one book influence and events in another. I don't want it to be as like, like the comic book crossovers where if you don't read every single issue of every single book that they're publishing, you're completely lost. But I do think they should have some sort of sense of continuity that they're all set in the same universe. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, seeing how much effort they're putting into, you know, artwork, like, there's a potential that we could see some of these characters, you know, in films or on Disney Plus or in an animated series. Like, it's it's also okay if they're not. It's okay if they're just in the books. Book series are a thing. Yeah, and it's just, it's very interesting that Star Wars is, like, taking this route of you know connecting books and comics like it's it's very interesting and doing this in like phases like it's something that's so interesting for star wars because i mean obviously star wars has you know had books and all of them kind of like intertwined with each other but nothing ever like this like this is such a big deal that you know they have a a trailer for all of these books you know online so yeah, I think I think there is some potential here and I'm I'm interested to see where they go with it and also what the reception is. But I was saying because I used to read a lot of the Star Trek books. And when a Star like when a Star Trek series would be on, the the books would sort of just be like like they could just be like episodes, you know? They were basically, you know, one-off adventures that didn't affect anything, just like episode of the week things in book form, basically. But then, like after after Deep Space Nine went off the air, the books started to all connect, and be- like the Deep Space Nine books after that sort of became like the next season of Deep Space Nine. They brought in new characters and new situations, and they all like followed one another. And you'd even have ones where there'd be an event that would have a Deep Space Nine book and a Next Generation book and a Voyager book. And it it, it gave a real sense of continuing story instead of just, here's a completely isolated adventure that doesn't really make sense if you look at all the other completely isolated adventures that never reference each other at all. Hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm intrigued. I just seeing how much effort they're putting into this makes me you know, obviously, like, want to get into these books, but also, like, I don't know if I'll like them. But, I mean, that's the risk of reading a book anyways. And, I mean, I've been dying to read that Rise of Skywalker novelization, but I don't think that shit's ever going to come out. Because it's already, this will probably, this episode will be out, like, right before February ends. And two years ago, or around this time, we were talking about the Last Jedi novel, so. It's coming out next month. Okay. I assume you're not going to read it. No. I mean, I like Ray Carson, but no. I have no interest in this story. 
Yeah. I'm just interested to see how they interpret things in the book or if they try to, you know, change change some things up a little bit, but girl can dream. Hey. Do you have any other thoughts about this project Luminous or the High Republic? I mean, I hope they manage to actually make the Jedi interesting. I'm slightly worried here that it'll be like the Jedi being super awesome, perfect, you know? I don't I don't want that. But also it's like we never we don't really know much about the Jedi in terms of what's still canon. Like we don't we hear, you know, there's all the stories about the Jedi, but in terms of what the Jedi actually did because what does it mean in an in a big wide galaxy to be this, you know, peacekeeping force? And also I mean to a certain extent, like who 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 the fuck gave you the authority to decide that that's what you are and how they decide what to get involved with and what not to get involved with and which side they take on issues. And I'm sort of fascinated to see how they present them, but I wish it were further in the past. 200 200 years ago means that Yoda's like a full grown adult, like being a Jedi and I would rather it be something where we're completely in new territory. I don't want any connections in terms of characters. Because I, I feel like they're going to rely on that too much. And that that could be unfounded. It's just based on everything else that Star Wars has done. Yeah. Um, I also found, because that picture of the screenshot... Of them, you know, talking about, you know, what they want from Star Wars. And it's interesting, you know, all of the things that, you know, they write down. You know, they write down, you know, what they want. High Republic, Relic Hunters, University. Dinosaurs. dinosaurs. (laughs) Um, Representation and diversity. Obviously, that's a big one. And I would love to see that not only in these books, but also in the movies. Someday. Sometime soon. Um, Some other ones were um, something Legends, Rival Houses, Sith Empire, Chaos Agents, Splinter Group, Force Users. I can't find anything else on this page. I I feel like there was something else, but yeah, I, I love that. I love how they're letting us in on their their thoughts and what they want to. And I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm hopeful for this. Like, I know this probably isn't something for me, but I'm so excited for the people who this is for and the possibility of greatness that this will achieve, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I'm, I'm interested, but with reservations. And also, I mean, it's just, it's, it's impossible to know. Because it it all comes down to the writing. 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, a lot of these authors have written, you know, great Star Wars books and, you know, great books in general. I mean, I really like Claudia Gray. And I like I like Daniel Jose Older too. But I mean it's just it's 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 way too soon to have any sort of this is awesome or this is terrible thoughts. Yeah. I don't know. I'm hopeful. I mean, in the beginning, you know, hearing about this, like, really made me annoyed and irritated. But now, you know, seeing the effort and seeing what they're putting on the table, like, I'm intrigued. I'm ready to hear more and see more. Yeah, I hope everything's good. Um, do you want to talk about Bobby I for like a millisecond? Oh yeah, uh, Bob Iger is retiring. Yes, he has stepped down as the CEO of Disney as of today. He is remaining as chairman until the end of next year. Yes. So, Bob Chapek, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, he's he's going to be in charge. And he is the head of the Disney parks. So, I'm already interested in that because... I feel like as of recent years, you know, the success of the Disney parks and everything, like a main concern has been, you know, the cast members, like they're not getting paid enough, you know, they're not being treated fairly. So I don't know. And it's like, I don't want to spit out this nonsense because it obviously like we don't, we don't know how he is as a, as the chairman of Disney yet, but you know, Starting out, I'm I'm a little nervous because Bobby I brought so much to to Disney. You know, he added a couple of theme parks. You know, globally, um, he completely restored California Adventure to the park that it is now. You know, starting off from the failure that Mike Eisner started off with, and now it's one of my favorite parks to go to. I almost prefer it sometimes than going to the actual Disneyland. And, you know, purchasing Pixar, Lucasfilm, Fox, you know, some of Marvel, like he has done a lot for the Disney company. So I'm interested to see what our new Bob has to offer for Disney. Do you have any thoughts? No. Okay. Um, Okay. It's it's been a while since I've asked you this, Emily. So, Emily. Mhm. Did you watch Clone Wars? No. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yes. All right. Clone Wars is back. And we're not only talking 
to our friend Emily Lind about this, but we are talking to our friend Emily Lind, who is a part of the Clone Wars roundtable discussions with our lovely friends, Steel Saunders, King Tom, Corey Van Dyke, and Robbo. The Robbo. The Clone <laughs> Wars fan Robbo. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I can't believe that you went from, you know, two years ago to never watching an episode of the Clone Wars to watching all the episodes and being part of a family discussions love um that might be overselling it so what did you think of the first episode of season seven of the clone wars titled the bad batch it's fine (laughs) i feel like if your show is coming back after after however many years it's been gone maybe it shouldn't just feel like an episode that could have been in the middle of season four or something like maybe it should feel special on the other hand maybe if you're a big Clone Wars fan it did feel special I don't know I don't like this show I think this episode was kind of boring as shit and I don't like any of these action movie cliche Bad Batch clones. I love, though, that it took me, like, three years to realize that one of the clones looks exactly like Charlie Sheen. (laughs) Yeah. So what did you think? I mean, I know you had like you knew what this story was, but what do you think of this episode in its final form? I I really liked it. Like it was so weird and a little nostalgic watching it because I feel like I was you know back in high school binging episodes of the Clone Wars. Like you know, I was sitting in my room watching on my tablet. You know, which is something that. I did many years ago when I first decided to get back into the Clone Wars or to, you know, initially get into the Clone Wars because I knew it was on. But, you know, when I had heard that, you know, Maul was back, I was intrigued. So I, you know, binge watched like season one through four. But I don't know. I really liked it. You know, I feel like one of the biggest things from the Clone Wars is, you know, obviously the clones. So seeing all seeing them all together again and, you know, seeing the introduction of the Bad Batch, which I think was, this is a great arc to start off the season with. I really liked it. I really liked seeing old characters, like even just like simple dialogue between uh, Anakin and Mace Windu. Like that made me so happy. And that made me realize that, I've missed the prequel era so fucking much. Like, I grew up with this stuff. And, you know, we've been so involved with, you know, the sequel trilogy and everything. And we're getting back to my basics, which makes me really happy. And it's really great to see, you know, everyone getting involved in conversation 
and hearing opinions, you know, especially yours. Like, I always get excited to hear your opinions, even though I know what you think of the Clone Wars. But honestly, like, I love how it brings all of us together in, like, some weird way, you know? I really miss the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. I like the Mandalorian. I I mean, part of the problem is, I mean, I mean, beyond the problem of, I, I, I don't have any connection to the prequel era and I don't have any emotional connection to this show. Like there's no like nostalgia for me on this on, on either level, either the show itself or, or, you know, the time period set in, but I, I, it's so ugly. Like the, the, when you see the clones and the armor, they're cool looking and the backgrounds are cool. And oftentimes the aliens are neat looking, but the human characters, I hate that angular, really sharp. Like, I hate, hate the way the human characters look on this show. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's something to get used to. But honestly, I like this animation layout way better than um resistance and almost rebels i don't know maybe because it's like i was used to it for so many years and it is admittedly like nostalgic for me like i was watching this when i was a kid so you know seeing that again obviously you know i already have a bias to it so yeah it's like i was already in my 20s when this show came out and i didn't watch it then because i like even you know when i was a teenager when the prequels came out and i didn't like them and so it's just sort of, there's nothing for me here. Yeah. And I, I've, I've, I've never had that it's Star Wars, so I like it thing. Like, I've, I've never had any, I don't think I've ever had any fandom or that's how I feel about it. And so, I don't know, like, I just watched this episode and I'm like, man, I wish that I liked this, but it just, it felt just as much like a chore that this show always has felt with me. Yeah. I mean, I know that the next couple episodes in this arc are going to be, you know, a little more interesting. I mean, them realizing that Echo is still alive somewhere. And I don't know, I think you would like how this finishes. But at the same time, I believe like Corey has mentioned it, but they tweaked it a little bit. So it's a little bit different than what we saw before like the final touches were given. So I'm interested to see like what's the same and what differs like from what I watched like a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And same with a lot because Dave has given us insight to a lot of ways how he wanted the Clone Wars to end. Uh, I know it was Celebration Europe. I believe it was 2016 when he had that panel with Ashley Eckstein and they were talking about her story and a little bit about the book too and like how he wanted to end the Clone Wars with her and you know seeing her reaction to it and seeing the audience reaction like really made me want to see this in live action and you know I felt sad I'm like you know 
I, I wasn't the biggest Clone Wars fan and I'm not, I mean, I just, I really enjoy it, but I'm not like, you know, number one fan over here. I can look at all the clones and be like, that's echo. That's fives. Like I, I can't do that. But I don't know. Just the story is interesting. Like Ahsoka is really interesting. And now that I'm going to be able to, you know, finish something that I've always wanted to finish. Like it's such a nice feeling. Like I, I hate not knowing how something finishes or, you know, knowing that a scene, like, you know, in a movie where like, you know, that a scene exists somewhere and like wanting to find it. Like I know in Revenge of the Sith, there are some deleted scenes that, were filmed but aren't out there still and like how like one of my life missions is to like find them and actually watch it but that probably won't ever happen but I don't know I just uh, it just it's so nice it's nice to have Clone Wars back like it it makes me happy to you know look forward to something again every week because I've kind of lost that I don't know. It's just been rough lately. So it's hard for me to, you know, get excited about something now. So I'm glad that I have something to look forward to every week. Yeah. I'm like, I really, I know people who are like you and like Corey who are really emotionally attached to this show. And so I'm glad that, you know, it exists. I don't resent it, you know, happening. I, I just can't bring myself to care. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's okay. Like, that's exactly how I felt about, you know, watching Resistance. Like, I thought it was a chore. Like, I thought that that show would never end because, you know, and it was only two seasons long. So I can't imagine what you're going through having to watch, you know, seven seasons of something that probably like less than 10% of the time is something that you actually enjoy. But also, you know, you've gotten so many great characters that you admire, you know, like our friend Hondo and I like Hondo and I like Ventress and that's about well I like Cad Bane in a super ridiculous kind of way yeah there we go I mean that's something you know so and I like um young Tarkin there we go because that's got Steve Stanton who does a really good Tarkin voice I hope we see Steve Stanton again in the Clone Wars, because I've missed him. We didn't get enough of Steve Stanton in Resistance. No. I need more. But also, I'm really looking forward to, you know, our journey in the next couple of weeks, you know, watching these episodes and, t- and talking about them. Because we will finally be able to close the chapter of the Clone Wars, which is something I never thought I was going to do. But I'm happy to... Have you by my side closing the book together? Aw. Sorry that I don't like it. No, it's okay. I felt the same way about Resistance. Like, whenever you would, like, say, like, nice things about it, I would always feel so shitty. <laughs> it sounds, like, awful, but, like, you know, like, seeing how I'm guilty of, you know, feeling bad, you know, for my opinions or whatever and it's something that I I try to fix but you know seeing like so many people get excited about like resistance or that like I felt bad because I like I could fucking care less but and that's probably exactly how you feel about the Clone Wars right? I don't feel guilty about it I don't give a shit. Yeah there we go It's a show that I don't like why would I feel guilty about that that's dumb Yeah I'm not the smartest tool or sharpest tool in the shed or the smartest tool in the shed 
Is there like a smart tool in the shed? Like what what tool would you think is the smartest in the shed? Uh, how do you want me to answer that? I don't know. Just name a tool. The first tool that comes into your head. Maybe like a hammer or like a a leaf blower. You know, because in SpongeBob, they used to always say reef blowers. And I always thought that that's what they were called until like last year. Like, I really thought that they were called reef blowers. And I'm like, why isn't it called leaf blower? Then I realized that it was actually called leaf blower. But anyways, um, well, that ends our... Clone Wars discussion. I'm excited for Friday. We get another episode. We get to learn more about the Bad Batch and figure out, you know, if if we find our friend Echo ever or if he's still alive. I'm excited for Friday because I'm seeing Emma again. It's your third time, right? Yeah. That's awesome. I've become slightly obsessed. I think it's a coping mechanism. That's good. That's good. Hey, how's your um, cats GoFundMe going? Um, we've we've got some stuff that we're planning. We've got a date for a live show in um, April, and then there's some there's some other stuff. But for right now, there's no news. Do I have to book a trip to New York in April? No, it's just gonna be like we got it's a, it's a place that does um. You know, like variety shows and stand up stuff. And so we're doing, I guess, like a stand up night where the proceeds are going to go to the charity. That's so awesome. I wish I was there to support you, but I'll support you from here. But I wish I was there in person, like cheering you on, like I did in Chicago. That was like one of my favorite moments of all time. But. That's awesome. Um, do you want to talk about uh, The Outsider? Yeah. Um, let's just sort of hit this pretty quick because we've got some emails and stuff to get to. I mean, since we actually, you know, have news this week. But um, this was In the Pines, In the Pines, which was episode six, seven. What is it? Are we on seven? Yes, seven. Okay. And we pick up, well, we don't really, we, we don't pick up where we left off because we left off with, with Holly and, and Jack in the car, but we take a while to get to them. And we have Ralph and Jeannie who are talking about the fact that Holly is gone and they don't know where she went. And Jeannie is immediately worried ralph is i i would say is worried but is convincing himself that he is not worried he's so conflicted like throughout this episode with his feelings like i've never seen him what to try so much to feel as i have in these last couple episodes yeah and this is this is you know he's more and more having to confront 
the weirdness that he does not want to admit is happening. And also, you know, like, try not to fight with his wife. Uh, things like that. Because she has gotten rid of the chair that the creature, like, sat in. And it, it like, it's one, of the, it's, it's one of those, like, kind of tense scenes. Just like when you're with, like, a couple or something who were almost starting an argument. And it's just like, I don't want to be here right now. And that's kind of how that felt watching that scene. Oh, my God. And I love them so much. So it's so difficult for me to see them like have arguments or like when Mendo does something just so just selfish and just you're thinking, God, he's the handsome devil. Yeah. And I like they once again, we get one of these scenes where when he's talking to the the therapist that he has to see in order to you know work again where they're not showing the therapist they're just showing him and so the i mean you eventually you eventually see that i mean, I, don't, I don't know if he's a psychiatrist or psychologist but you eventually do see him but for them for like the first half of the scene it's like he's this sort of outside presence and I think that, I don't know, there's something really compelling in that decision that makes it seem like Ralph is confessing to the audience. And it makes those scenes really intimate. Yeah, I, I feel like he's really, he wants to deny that, you know, there's a being out there doing all this stuff, but he like it's getting to the breaking point for him where it's like, he can't keep telling himself that these aren't all just coincidences. Like he knows he's knowing that, that Holly's right. And that Holly is onto the path of finding out truly what's, what's wrong. Yeah. And he is eventually convinced that he's got to like find Holly. And they, they realize that Jack is missing too. So it's it's Ralph and the other, the original P.I., whose name I do not remember. But the guy who, who you know, hired Holly. And they go to Jack's and see the horror show that it is. And then, like, you know, they, they, they track the cell phones and see that, that, that Holly and Jack phones are coming to the same place and we're also seeing these scenes with with jack and holly where you you can tell that that part of jack still wants to fight this thing but can't and you have, you know, Holly trying to convince him, but there's really not anything seemingly that, you know, she can do. But what I really, really like is Ralph doesn't rescue Holly. Holly rescues herself. 
yeah, that distraction that she was doing in the bathroom to break the window to have Jack think that she's going to escape through there for her to run out of the bathroom and get into the car. Like that was so fucking genius. Like I love that not only Holly was, she saved herself, but no one had to save her and that she strategically saved herself. Like I loved that so much and just the anticipation was killing me, but it was happy. I was so happy to see her get away. Yeah. And I liked, I, I really liked that. that- Ralph doesn't show up until like she's already gone. And yeah. the other I really liked um Holly's sense of betrayal when she sees the sketches and um is like knows that it's it's sort of transforming into Clyde is that his name? I believe so, yeah. And that and that Ralph n- knew this, although he's not willing to admit it to himself yet and and didn't tell her. Which you know plays into this whole thing of people always treating Holly like she's crazy or there's something wrong with her. And so, you know, for, for Ralph to keep this thing that confirms that she is right, or at least supports her theory, really is a shitty move. Yeah. I don't know like I I love this also makes me really love the relationship between Jeannie and Holly because Jeannie has Holly's back and like no matter fucking what and it also it's hurtful to see Ralph you know not give those papers to Holly to see you know the pictures of you know the being transform and you know obviously like how much of a strain that might be on Jeannie and Ralph's like marriage you know the loss of a child and with all this going on like it must be so tough for them right now so for him not to open up and for him not giving as much effort as he probably should in all of this it's really tough for me to see like you know there's a realness to it that I'm seeing like a, a couple or, you know, one, one part of a couple who's not, you know, opening it up, opening up or, you know, not being a team player. And I just hate seeing that. Yeah. It's really the show, despite the fact that it is, you know, at its heart about a shape-shifting demon that eats children and lives off of pain the the character relationships all feel really grounded and realistic. And you know, I we're 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 seeing like we're at the point where Ralph has to, you know, it's it's gotta be a come to Jesus moment. Like he's had the like the conversations he's had with the other people investing in it who who all are, you know, or at least mostly slightly more open-minded about this 
than he is and convincing him that his his stubbornness isn't helping anybody and is actually keeping him from seeing what's going on. And so hopefully we'll see that now. Um, oh, the other big thing is that Glory is going to sue the police department and possibly Ralph himself. It's It was interesting seeing her getting back to work and seeing how that all ended, her losing her job and then her coming to the point of, you know, wanting to sue everyone, you know, for the wrongful death of her husband. Like, dis- despite the way I feel about Gloria, like, I feel like that was such, like, a, a powerful thing, like, her admitting that you know that she she's gonna do something about it because you know rightfully so rightfully so she should like this is definitely a a wrongful death like she knows in her heart that he didn't do it and I feel like you know the rest of the characters you know know now especially like Ralph has a great feeling that he that Terry didn't do it yeah like Ralph Ralph is still you know, not willing to be like, hey, it's a supernatural. But he, he, you know, he has admitted that his gut is that Terry did not do this. Like, he's not able to see what that means yet in terms of, you know, who did do it. He's still trying to find some sort of rational explanation, but he doesn't believe that Terry was guilty. Yeah. I don't know. And it just, it's, it's so interesting too, how the show makes you invested in all these people's lives. Oh, and I liked Andy showing up. I was just going to mention that. Like, I love Andy, like Holly, like being like, what are you doing here? Then like her hugging him. Oh my God. It's my favorite moment. And even like the side character, like even Tamika, who we don't really know much about, when Ralph goes to talk to her and is so like hurt to hear that when she comes back, she's going to transfer. And it's, it's, it, it feels like we know more about that relationship than we actually do. Because you really do get a sense of his his feeling of betrayal there, which is so interesting for a character who we've seen, you know, for a couple minutes in a few episodes. Yeah. Okay. So I know that Tamika and Jack used to be really close, but I almost feel like they're insinuating that they're close on a different level. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I never. I didn't feel that at all. Okay, maybe I'm just reading into it too much, but I don't know. But that's the thing, though, is that, you know, I feel for, you know, Tamika going through all this stuff with Jack because she knows that Jack is struggling and not not himself and not only not himself, but, you know, acting in ways that she's never seen him act before, too. But uh, also, man, just Jack is just shit. He's hooked on, you know, whatever this being is doing to him, like he is gone. 
Yeah, the the scenes with him were super creepy. He's just like, just, he's a great actor because just from like the first second I saw him, I'm just like, oh, I don't know, but damn. I don't know. I'm I'm so sad that we only have a couple episodes left and only a couple more opportunities to talk about this show because I've I've been really enjoying this and enjoying getting to know these characters and I want more shows that do this with characters, you know, that describe so much you can feel what they're feeling. And some of these like angles too, you know, like that shot where you just see Ralph you know, talking to the therapist, you don't even see him there. Like, I just, I really love it. I love the details. I love everything. Yeah, it's it's super fucking good. Huh. Um. Let's see. Oh, anything else else you want to add about this episode before no, we I don't go think to so. some email? Okay. Yeah, let's get to emails. Okay. Do you want to do voicemail first? Yeah. Okay, we have a voicemail from King Tom. Um, Emily, do you want to do a quick voicemail song while this thing loads? No, I don't. I don't have any inspiration for voicemail song right now. Voicemail, it's a voicemail song. Emily's engaged, it's a voicemail song. (laughs) Please get married to Chris Fresh soon. This was the voicemail song. From King Tom. Here it is. Hey there, Brito and Lindo. I have to apologize because I've had this idea for a question in my head for probably a month, but I never remember to record it. I'm a bad, horrible person. But this this question is inspired by Emily's upcoming adventure. 24 hours of watching cats. I wouldn't do it, but hey, it's... You know what? If you're out there and you're listening to Candlebite Dispatch and you haven't donated... Uh, Please do it because it's for a good cause that goes beyond making Emily watch cats for years. <laughs> but anyway, if there was an alternate universe in which cats was a huge hit and Lucasfilm were to come to you and say, our idea for our next movie is based on cats. But instead of people dressed up like cats, it is going to have human beings dressed up like or CGI'd up like a, an existing Star Wars alien species. And they let you, Brito and Lindo, they let you, both of you individually, pick which alien species would get, or species, I'm not sure, I don't know, but which one alien group to have a movie based on them. Who would your choice be? Well, I'm in my car and this big weird bird just flew by. But it would mine would not be a bird, just just to let you know. <laughs> my answer would be the Athorians or the, the Hammerheads. Just because they look cool, they have that like bellowing jowl thing going on. And I don't know, I think it would be it would be interesting visually. And you know what? I'm gonna say it's okay to call an alien species in Star Wars by, you know, the, the g- generic Kenner name or you know, like some people, I know people used to say, well, all the Greedos in Mos Eisley. Yeah, we know they're Rodians, but it's okay to call them Greedos. George Lucas did, I think. Either that or I'm getting it mixed up with one of Steele's live show. Anyway, what alien species would you like to see a cats-like movie based in Star Wars about? That's my question. 
Thank you for the great podcast. Thank you for doing this for us. I hope you're well. And Death Watch! Death Watch. Death Watch. So, Emily, what species are we going with? Oh, man. So... I, I'm, uh, Tom didn't specify, I'm, I'm going to say that this is a musical. Yeah, I would assume. And so it's like focused on the particular species and they're going to be singing songs and they're just like, hey, I'm a cat who is on the railroad train. And then the other one is like, hey, I'm a cat who does magic. That's how cats works. So, hmm. Hmm. My first instinct was the lemur dudes from Clone Wars. Okay. The pacifist lemurs. But maybe instead, I think... um, Ooh, ooh, ooh. I was going to say Max Rebo, but instead I'm going to say the werewolf dudes from the cantina. Ooh. So it's whatever the werewolf dudes are. I mean, they're just, they're straight up werewolves, but werewolf dude, the musical. So I have a quick question before I get to my answer. So... I I don't know how like cats like progresses but you mentioned like there's like a train like is this just like the cat like there's like a main cat another cat and like they're on a train and then like they're getting to their final destination because if that's so then I think that cats and the movie the polar express are so much alike because the polar express is about you know this kid who doesn't believe in Santa I know. Okay. Okay. First of all, the thing to keep in mind is cats doesn't really have a plot. Here's the plot of cats is there's this thing called the Jellicle ball. And at the Jellicle ball, the Jellicle cat is the Jellicle choice is chosen by old Deuteronomy. And if you are the Jellicle choice, then you go to what is called the heavy side layer now. And you are reborn as a different cat so basically you are singing a song to be chosen to die and (laughs) that's no that's not exactly that's how it works so the cats just that's what you're seeing the cats sing songs like one cat busford jones sings about how he really likes food and he's super fat and then Another cat sings about how cool he is and how he likes to fuck. And then there's Grizabella, the, the glamour cat. She's the one who sings Memory. And she sings about how she's sad and she used to be cool. And then Skimble Shanks is the railway cat. He's the cat of the railroad wine. And he just sings about the fact that he works on a train. The train's not part of the plot. He just sings about how he works on a train. And then they move on to the next cat who sings a song about what he does. That's all the cats is. 
Oh, okay. Because for a second, I really thought that like the whole theme of cats was that, you know, they're like on a train and they're going to go somewhere. Kind of like the Polar Express, like how the kid doesn't believe in Santa. And then it ends with him getting the bell from Santa. And then like you're able to ring it. And if you're able to hear the ring, that means that like you believe. So like I was kind of thinking like maybe that's what the, they got Polar Express from was from cats because I heard a train and them going somewhere. And I'm like, maybe this is just like that movie I watched once that tom hanks was in it he played he played the train conductor he was really good but um my answer to the question i knew it from the creation of the question my answer is wookies okay simple but i mean i can see it i can see our our Wookiee singing memory, but like in the Wookiee language. So is the whole movie in the Wookiee language or is it like we're hearing it in English? I mean, you can listen to either or like there's, you know, like, like a lot of movies, like there's different, you know, languages. You could choose Wookiee, you can choose English, Spanish, anything you want the Wookiees will provide. And there's going to be different costumes. There's going to be dance numbers. There's going to be some of the best dance numbers you've ever seen. And there's not going to be a train. It's it's going to be the Razor Crest. Like, they're going to be on the Razor Crest, like, traveling to planet to planet. And then you're going to have Baby Yoda sing Memory. I take that back. Baby Yoda is going to be the one singing Memory because... Okay. Because Baby Yoda is now a teenager and he's going back to his time with the Mandalorian, you know, because he wasn't as cool. He doesn't feel like he was as cool now as he was when he was traveling with the Mandalorian and making so many friends on different planets. Like, you just, you feel it when Baby Yoda is singing memory. Okay. Teenager Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. It happens. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Thank you so much. I love that. Um, next we got one email from our buddy Adele. It just says subject line is thank you. Ladies, thank you so much for all the joy you brought to my weekend routine. I've been loving your segments on The Outsider as there's not much time or mental effort available for more serious shows with a now toddling porklet. I may not be able to keep up, keep all characters straight, but it's delightful to listen to your discussion. <laughs> Since you are still officially a Star Wars podcast, I wanted to ask you both. I know you both said you wanted to see a different era of Star Wars. Yay. But what sort of story would you like to see? With individual movies, there could be more variety than with trilogies, I think. Pork for the years, Adele. It's never going to happen, but I'd really love to see Star Wars play with genre a little bit more. Like, give me a Star Wars murder mystery. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I would, I'd be interested to see, like, a Star Wars, like, romance movie. Like, not, like, romantic comedy, but close to that. Or, like, a good tearjerker movie. You know, like, Harry Connick Jr.'s P.S. I Love You. 
Is he in the movie that much? I don't think so. I haven't seen it in a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really terrible Harry Connick Jr. Uh, correspondent. <laughs> but um, my friend Mike and I have been, have been talking for a while about how we want a um, Agatha Christie and then they were none style um murder mystery with star wars it would be like 10 little bounty hunters or whatever and you're just sort of on an island somewhere and you have a group of you know 10 to 12 people and they just start getting killed off and so you'd have you know and in you know in the in the story of course all the the characters, it turns out, are all, you know, connected in different ways that you sort of learn about as the story unfolds. But then you could have, you know, you have a bounty hunter, you have, you know, an an ex-imperial officer who's in hiding, you know, who's escaped the retribution of the New Republic or whatever. And you just have, you, ha- you take all the, like, Agatha Christie stock characters and translate into Star Wars. You can do it really easily. But that's what I want. I think Ryan Johnson should direct it. I want Ryan Johnson to direct everything. Oh, yeah. I need to see Knives Out, too. When I'm done with Dolphin Tale 1 and 2, I think I want to watch Knives Out because I think it's on digital now. And I feel like I'm the only person on this planet who hasn't seen it yet, which is something I'm, I'm really ashamed of. So... It's so good. I'm really excited to watch it with the director's commentary. He's just a good person all around. I love him. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I'm really bad with, you know, story writing or, you know, what kind of story I like. Like, I just think of something just actiony adventure but like also mysterious like something that like i want to find out or something that you know has me at the edge of my seat but i don't know you know seeing where star wars is going you know with you know all the effort they're putting into you know the high republic like i'm interested to see you know what stories we're gonna get what kind of stories we're getting Because I'm, you know, I see the Mandalorian and that is something like I never knew I needed, but I want more of it. And, you know, we're getting Cassian and (laughs) we're probably getting Obi-Wan, maybe, not sure. But I don't know, I'm confident that Star Wars will be going into a, a fun and interesting path. Yeah. But yeah, thank you, Adele. I hope your porglet's doing well. God, now toddling porglet? Oh my god. How that? How must that be? Like, do you have to, like, porg-proof the whole house? Like, how do you do that? I mean, you know porgs can get everywhere. Like, look what they did in the Falcon. I know. Like, you're gonna, like, if you're driving alone to, like, the grocery store, you'll have to, like, check, like, your car, like, in and out to make sure the porglet <laughs> didn't get into it. You know, or if you're at work and make sure that, you know, the porglet didn't, like, sneak into your purse or something. Like, I can't imagine, like, how much sleep you lose because of just thinking about, like, what the porglet 
could be doing, might be getting in the car, might be, I don't know. That's a lot. I, I can't imagine. Huh. Um, do you want to read this next email or do you want to save it till next week? No, no, we can do it now. This is about Project Luminous. Yeah. This is from Rabia. Hello, Canto Biters. I hope you guys are doing well. After all that was revealed yesterday, I feel underwhelmed slash annoyed. There's a Star Wars movie set for December 2022, but still no confirmation of who's writing and directing it. And these big blockbusters usually take at least two to three years to make. So they're delaying it or they don't want to reveal any information before Star Wars Celebration or they've already become very far behind. As for the material we got, it's not enough to get me excited. High Republic is a stupid name, but I guess it's supposed to be like Great Britain or even egotistical or more egotistical. The concept art looks cool, but I'm still annoyed that most of the characters of color are in the background or beside an alien, as in the foreground it seems to be white people. Lucas made the prequel trilogy to show that the folly of the Jedi and of the Republic so to go back in time and celebrate these people is kind of stupid. <laughs> Unless they showed the Jedi were different back then, I have no interest in in a series about them. Also, Yoda would be around 500 years old around this time, so this may not be going far back enough. When the question, what do the Jedi fear, was asked, I immediately thought sex. <laughs> but to take that question seriously, I'm intrigued with how these new villains will do that. I don't read a lot of the new canon and with the exceptions of claudia gray's lost stars dr afra's run and the vader run where she was introduced i don't feel as though the explained material stands on its own nor do i have any desire to revisit it i hated star wars aftermath and i couldn't finish ek johnson's ahsoka novel but i'll be cautiously optimistic in what's next for lucasfilm keep on podcasting rabia i i I will say i think this is their attempt to make the expanded material stand on its own. Whether they'll be successful or not, I don't know. But it is... It is the sort of the furthest away from the movies or the TV shows and stuff that, that we've gotten. Yeah, I mean... We still, I mean, we only have just learned, you know, what books we're getting. Like, we we know so little. Like, we know, like, about, you know, the Jedi were patrolling, like, the frontiers, you know, kind of like Texan Rangers and other things and how something, you know, called the Great Disaster is inspiring a lot. So, I mean, hopefully we'll find out more intriguing information that, you know, we'll get a lot of us hooked hopefully yeah i do i don't know it's so strange like the, the fact that it's called the high republic and it's only 200 years ago just seems really weird to me because like when i hear high republic that immediately for me that seems like ancient rome you know but 200 years is is really not a long time in the scale of star wars it's not. And it's so, it's too close to the Skywalker saga. And I almost feel like they're doing it just to include Yoda. Because they all know what's going to help bring this all together is knowing that possibly Yoda's going to be here. And it's someone that we know. It's someone that we all love. I don't think I've ever met a person who doesn't like Yoda. 
but I don't, I don't know. It's, it seems like if you want to like really show that this is the era when the when the Jedi were really what they should have been or whatever, then it just doesn't. I don't know. It's in my head that was always further away. Than yeah, this. but wasn't you know the Knights of the Old Republic? Wasn't that like thousands and thousands of years? Because maybe they put it here because they didn't want it too close or too far like they wanted something you know just right in the middle yeah but you could have done like 500 years or something i mean maybe they might still explore that like maybe like this is just the beginning of them going way back into the past okay but going 200 going 200 years and then going like 300 years earlier than that is fucking weird that's what we got with the original star wars we got you know star wars that we got oh like then we got like twenty years earlier. That's not. I don't know. Like it's. It, I don't. I don't want to. I'm not gonna be like. Oh, this is cool because maybe, then they'll go even further back. I mean, this is the property that they announced. Yeah. I don't know. That it. That's interesting too. You know what? What Rabia mentioned about. You know what do the Jedi fear? And honestly, like. Maybe they do fear sex. I mean, we don't know how strict, you know, the Jedi's rules, the Jedi rules were, you know, back then, you know, about how, you know, they can't fall in love and how they can't marry and all that stuff. Like, do we, is that stuff still valid way back when? Like, did something happen for this rule to be implemented? I mean, please explain it because it's dumb as shit and has only served to make things go badly for them. Yeah, and then that also makes me think about this whole love thing, you know, you know, and what we might get in the future, you know, because we might get something like way, way in the future. Like, is this rule still going to exist? Like, I would love to know the origins of this rule and if it still stands now. Well, the, I mean, I mean, the, the Jedi now don't, I mean, that's a completely new thing if the Jedi still exist. I mean, Rey, Rey is a Jedi, but, I mean, if she's the only Jedi that and is, like, training her own people, that term becomes a completely different meaning. It becomes whatever they decide they are. I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious to, you know, what they get into. And, like, I would love to see a Jedi like rules book but maybe these are such free spirited Jedi like maybe the Jedi like don't have rules until this whole great disaster happens like maybe this great disaster like they say it's like the High Republic when when I hear the High Republic I think of like the roaring 20s I know that sounds weird but it's like I just think of you know that everything's all good this or that a little a little shake up here but everything's fine i mean things definitely weren't fine i know but it just i'm i'm intrigued i mean look i was fucking annoyed when like the character front and center is a white lady like just it just I don't know, it seems like a missed opportunity you'd think when they you know, talk about and they put on their little like discussion board that, you know, they want diversity that <laughs> you would think, you know, 
I mean, what have I seen some of it at least? I know that it um, from the artwork that uh, Older has posted, that's his focus on his uh, IDW comics. Yeah, but... But, yeah, it was a bad look. Yeah, I believe that was, like, the very first thing that I saw, like, from this announcement, yeah. too. So when I, th- yeah. when I think of that announcement, unfortunately, I, I think of, like, that image. But... Um, any other thoughts you have about this email, Emily? No, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Okay. Let's go to bed. Thank you, Rabia, for your email. Thank you, everyone, for sending us voicemail and email. I appreciate you all. But, all right, let's wrap things up. Emily and I, we have to go to bed. It's it's very late New York time, semi-late California time. So... Emily, where can we find you in the podcast on social media? Uh, the podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. I am on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. What about you? I am on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. Sweet. You know, um, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Uh, share the show. That helps. All that good stuff. Yeah, and let your friends know what you're listening to, you know. Tell them that you're listening to this interesting podcast where they talk about weddings in the Polar Express. And Harry Connick Jr. But on that note, thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And I appreciate you, Emily. Aw. All right. Good night, everyone. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. Here we go. Yes, yo, 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 and away we go. It's time to serenade my girl Lindo. Sorry, the ladies where I had to say no, but if I'm cheating on Serena, it's on Canto. No shame in the game. Make even Rogue One seem tame. But I blame it on Brit with a ginger main main. Yeah, that's fire. Love on the rocks, leaves the love on my socks. Lindo fanfic leaves y'all shocked, especially when y'all truly whips out his cock. Can't go bite, episode 100. Hey yo, I'm back, no fulcrum this time. I'm on a flight to the bay and I'm writing some rhymes. My top three running through my head, you know. So I had to come correct when they hit the hundo. My girls E and B deserve congratulations. Our adulation for the weekly creation. My last celebration was all about them, but this time I gotta drop lines for our friends. This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches Start off with my Aussies, Catherine's a sweet one Brought cash into lunch with Canto bitch number one Josh made it a team and had bourbon and cornflakes The kind of ice cream that made him show me his old face Got to meet Turbo and throw back some brews Fish tacos in San Fran, you know we approve Rebecca from Perth, I haven't met you yet Last shout to Fushi, dude, I didn't forget this is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches, all my Canto bitches Rabia and Adele often email the show I cut a track on them trolls with Johnny Grosso Jesse McGee busted a rap for me Met her and horse be it scum and villainy King Tom, Death Watch, the most regal of fathers Got to behold the luscious locks of Strata Shouted Rusty last time, so I shout a Raj too You know the list ain't complete without lesson, boo 
This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches, all my Canto bitches Now if I didn't say your name, don't feel no shame You love the fun, the games, and refresher bags Hang on every word of Lindo's fanfic Where she describes every vein in Mendo's dick Spread the word, maybe buy a t-shirt I don't know, maybe ask the girls if Yaddle squirts Take your CBD, send in your top three, And you'll always be a bitch like me Get him, Eric.